He keeps himself in trim by bending bars of iron. This bar is the genuine article which we tested before he began to play with it. Beyond the bend. Beyond the bend. Okay, Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you. So take me back, if you can remember, to the first time you saw someone bend a piece of steel. The first time I think I saw somebody bend steel was Dennis Rogers on television. I think it was in the uh, it was in early two thousands, maybe late nineties, early two thousands. It was quite a while, but uh, I saw him on TV. I can't even remember. And he was bending the crescent wrenches and the hammers, or maybe it was uh, something like a hammer, and then. The horseshoe and you know I, I saw him do his little thing on tv and it always paired cards and phone books and then it stuck on the back of my head but i never really did anything to pursue it but that was probably the first time i i'd seen it but it was in 2014 before i had finally seen him again on tv and decided to start trying to do to do one of the feats all right wow cool so what kind of athletic background did you have prior to getting into the uh, bending and the strongman type of training? Um, well, my father had put me in uh, Taekwondo when I was really young. So I had had some Taekwondo throughout my life and then on and off. And then I was in gymnastics in high school. Yeah. Varsity gymnastics for a few years in high school. And then I was in the army and the military and the infantry, but that's not real, anything really all that athletic. We ran a lot. Um, and then Oh, I did a lot of rock climbing for about three, three or four years. And that's about all of my athletic background. And yeah. I my late 20s. Yeah. I'm finding a lot of the guys I speak to come from rock climbing, which makes sense because you're going to have a really strong grip. I know Don was a, he was a climber. Don yep. Climber. Yep. And uh, gymnastics, that's like one thing. I So I, I'm a grappler. That was like my segue into this world. And um, anybody that studied gymnastics is just so damn functionally strong. It's like incredible. I think it's probably the best athletic base you could have as a kid. Yeah, it makes a pretty good base. My friend Jimmy Taikong is who got me into gymnastics. And I'm always grateful that he did. Yeah, that's great. So, um, once you saw Dennis again in 2014, uh, take, take me back to how you started actually getting into it. Did you buy an iron, mat, uh, iron mine bag of nails or did you just start, go out to the shed and start bending anything in sight? Uh, really with me, it was, uh, I was humble. You know, I'm 120 pounds, I'm a little guy. So I, I thought it'd be really neat to be able to tear a deck of cards in there. Mm -hmm. so I, I will pursue that one. Um, the steel bending wasn't even at all so I just went on the internet and started to do some research and typed in Dennis's name and came across pretty quick his ugly rubber. and I ordered his stand and his tight and ugly rubber and got him in the mail and started working with those and had his little instructional and after a couple of days on a Wednesday I remember and then it was a Friday not even a little bit more than 48 hours after I got in the ugly rubbers I thought well let's see how many 
cards I can tear. Let's see how I can, you know, how well I can do it. So I got an old casino deck that I had and I counted out, what was it? 20 cards. Yeah. 20 cards. And I yeah. tore that, you know, and then, so I took the other 32 and I tore that and it was pretty easy. And then <laughs> other deck that was pretty used. And I took that deck and I counted out 40 cards and I did that. And that was surprisingly easy. And then I had two new decks, knuckle decks, bicycles, and I opened those up and I, counted out the extra cards so there's 48 cards total and surprisingly I tore through that I mean pretty easy uh, and then so I did the other deck I took the extra cards out I probably should have left maybe 52 in there and kept some of the extra cards but I didn't I just took all the extra cards out again and I tore 48 again and I <laughs> wow I, I can already almost do this yeah so I went to Walmart and bought like two dozen decks of bicycles <laughs> And I opened up a fresh deck and I went to go tear it and I would stop dead cold in my tracks. I think what had happened is that the two decks that I had that had been sitting in my desk for like 15 years probably had dried out and they were, they were pretty dry. Right. Water moisture content in a deck is everything. And then a new fresh deck is going to have, you know, it's going to be perfect. And I had trouble yep. going deck. So it took me about four to six weeks before I could tear a whole full 56 cards of brand new bicycles, you know, fresh from the store. So. But it was still, yeah. it was. Ah, oh, that's cool. That's, that's a good feeling. <laughs> I uh, went through the, a similar progression once we uh, got locked down here in New York. Um, I first, I can't remember if I got into the steel bending or the card tearing first, but it was a similar progression of 20 cards and I watched Dennis Video and uh, Chris Ryder and Steve McGranahan and all these guys on YouTube and started figuring out that there was somewhat of a technique to it and uh, just started putting a, you know, five to 10 cards on until I got up to the full thing. And uh, it's a good feeling. It's fun. <laughs> fun, definitely. And uh, in the beginning, I mean, I'd, I'd run into the, the, the steel bending stuff in those videos looking at card tearing. But I mean, I, I literally in the very beginning that I'm not even going to try the steel bending thing because I mean, I weigh 120 pounds. How far yep. am I going to that? So, I mean, I'm just going to do this car tearing thing. And uh, then I ran across the video of Pat Povolitis doing a show and watching him bend horseshoes the way it just, he made steel literally look like clay in his hand. <laughs> thing so i thought okay maybe i will try you know this steel bending thing a little bit and maybe i'll get it to where i can bend a 60 unbraced yeah so i did the, you know i went to home depot bought 760 penny nails came home um got some gloves or something i think and tried to use that for protection i started just trying to see how hard it was to bend one of these things yeah and, oh wow i was you know, I was blown away because I went and got two eight-inch crescent wrenches, and they have these holes in the ends of the handles, and I stuck the end of the 60s in each of the holes to use the crescent, you know, wrenches for leverage, and I'm pushing yeah. down on the leg, and I'm like, dear God, this thing is, <laughs> and I can't believe how hard these are to bend, so it was very shocking in the beginning. I mean, I, I was having trouble bending a 60 brace using leverage. Yeah. 
I thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to bend one of these things up here, unbraced without any leverage. And yeah. So the journey begins. <laughs> <laughs> and that was 2014? Yeah, and that was back in 2014, yeah. Yeah, wow. And now, did uh, was there other guys you were friends with that were getting into it at that time, too? Or did you know some guys down there already? Or No, I didn't have anybody uh, that I knew personally um, that was into it. None of my friends were into it. It was just pretty much just me by myself uh, watching people on the internet. And, uh, and I'd start messaging people. And I was really surprised how really nice everybody in the community was and helpful. Yeah. Not all communities in other sports are, are that friendly. When you nope. send the big wigs and the guys up at the top. Yeah. It's a community you do. I mean, almost anybody you message will respond to you, you know, and help yeah. you. Yeah, it's a really great community. Yeah, that, you know, that exact experience as a beginner um, and how welcoming. The first two people I messaged were Jaden Majenski and Don Cummings just because I think they're – have very active Instagrams and they're pretty easily found by like hashtag steel bending and so on. And both those guys got back to me and were so open with information. And really, I don't think if they had gotten back to me in that manner, I don't think I would have even been inspired to start this podcast, you know? And it was like, um, it really meant a lot that those guys were so open. And basically my question was like, I pretty easily got up to the blue nail in the iron mine bag of nails, but that jump from blue to red just seemed like I, I don't know what I can do to, to make that happen. So I was asking how to fill the cracks there and they're talking, you know, steered me in the direction of some other stock I could buy at the hardware store and bolts and, you know, basically a little program to get from uh, blue to red. And then uh, it was just, you know, they sent me all these links and it just meant a lot. And then I was like, you know, this is a cool community. I don't think I, I kind of pulled some people and they said, uh, no, a podcast doesn't exist. You know, you have Jed's This Week in Grip, which sometimes has uh, some bending guys on, but it's not exclusively bending. So I kind of jumped on the opportunity and it's been great so far. It's it's so nice. I get to learn from all the all you guys and uh, everybody's so interesting and has these different backgrounds, but there's common through lines and it's just, it's been a lot of fun, but it's exactly that. The community was so open that it just like made me feel like this was a very doable thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's, it is the greatest community. I think everybody's so helpful. It's a, it's a real, really is. everybody will help everybody with anything you need pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So since 2014, I feel like right now, probably due to the limited um, gym availability, uh, bending seemed to spike. Um, but I, when I was talking to some other people, they thought maybe it was at its peak in like 2011. How about since 2014? Do you feel like it's gradually increased in popularity or just stayed about the same? Or I'd say it has definitely increased a little bit in popularity since 2014. It's been coming back a little bit but it still i don't think it was anything like it was back in around the 2010 you know i've heard of what it was like then every so many people were bending on fbbc and chasing certs and stuff like that there were just i mean a whole plethora of dozens upon dozens of guys just killing big steel so it was pretty crazy back then it's nothing like that now but it is i think 
slowly kind of making a comeback so you never know you know yeah it's also interesting because it's it's spread out among so many different um i think david wigren was saying this on his episode that hasn't come out yet but there there's just so many arenas that people are posting and communicating you know you still have the grip board but you have YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if people are doing stuff on Twitter, Reddit. Whereas like, I think back in 2010, 2011, there were just these forums. So it was way more isolated and uh, people were kind of aware of who was doing what at what time. Yeah, right now I'm only active on uh, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook myself. I started to try to play around with the TikTok, but I, I'm starting to think and feel like TikTok's not really the place, in my opinion, <laughs> strongman feet videos, but uh, you know, I threw a few up. I'm thinking about canceling that. I don't know. I mean, I've heard people, some people have done really well on TikTok and just getting a lot of attention over there, but they're adding music or something to it. I don't know. I'm not doing that. So I'm, I'm probably, I don't really like that one that much. I'm just going to stick with mainly Facebook, I think, you know, it's my favorite social media for it. Everybody. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would keep uploading on Instagram. I, I think um, that there's a lot of vendors using Instagram. Um, that seems to be the one where I get more communication with the uh, podcast page. And uh, um, I know a lot of people are just uh, creating Instagram. There's just a lot of bending on there. So what kind of training are you doing week by week? Just do it take me through a normal routine uh well i mean i don't really have any kind of normal routine that that's <laughs> always been pretty much against but i just i you know if i feel like training and working double overhand then i'll i'll work it you know if i don't have any routine that i do i do this on this day or i work out this many days or i work out on these days during the week i don't have anything like that really but I'll, I just mix it up. I'll do all kinds of different things. And basically, I just do whatever I feel like doing. Yeah. So you, um, do you mess around with grip training too? Or are you just pretty much tearing and bending? I do mess around with some grip. I have a two and a half inch handle loadable dumbbell that I work with. And I've got some blobs that I'll play around with. And uh, I'm hanging out with Adam Glass all the time. He it'll influence you into getting into a little bit of arm lifting and, you know, working out the grip implements and the different lifts and rolling thunder and a little big horn and stuff like that. So I play around with that stuff just because I hang out with uh, Adam and Tanner all the time. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Adam was the one I had on and he said I definitely had to get you on. That was a great episode. That'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I think on your YouTube page, I think, may, or maybe it was Adam's page, you were doing pinch pull-ups. That was something pretty incredible that I hadn't seen too many people do before. Yeah, yeah, he wanted, I wanted to try it. He had those pinch blocks, and I told him, yeah, I think I could do it. I wasn't really sure, so I went to the <laughs> head up with them, and, and yeah, I was luckily able to do them right off the bat. That's awesome. So what are some of the... Um, are you into chasing the certs or you kind of just bend what you want when you want to? No, I've never really been into chasing certs. I mean, I always thought it'd be nice to assert the red nail. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'll admit, I've had trouble with um, certain the red nail. I, I can bend the red nail, no problem with suede wraps because I've always been with suede since 2014. Yep. I hardly ever 
stand with iron my cats because I just don't like them. I don't like bending with them. And uh, I can hardly bring myself to work with them because I, I just can't stand bending with iron cats. So, I mean, I've been a few red nails with iron my cats, but it'll take me between like five and 10 minutes. But with suede, I would just, you know, kill them in like half a minute. So, yeah. Third on play though, you gotta have the iron my cat. It's a difference in my it's a pretty, oh, yeah. pretty Oh, I think there's a big difference. Honestly. Those uh those iron mine pads are tough. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Maybe mine are always too new too. People are always telling me you really gotta work those in and all the pads I've always worked with are relatively new because I've never worked with them enough to where uh, a pair got worked in really. Maybe it's yeah. because I'm brand new pads and people say that can be bad always working with brand new iron mine pads because it's they're not the best to, to be bending in yeah yeah i've heard that too uh so what are some of the the bends that you're most proud of not necessarily certs but stuff that you've accomplished that you feel uh some pride with oh i mean the best thing i've ever done on braces is the red nail uh single slate and then yeah. brace was my 10 inch adjustable wrench, my Pittsburgh 10 inch. I've done dozens of the eight inch, you know, I find yep. those, but I've only pulled off one 10 and it took me about 20 minutes to do that. And I've done a couple of gold nails, brace with double wraps and, you know, eight inch spikes, but that's about as big and hard as I've, gotten with the brace bending uh, i have been a couple of unusual things a six inch by five sixteenth grade five uh six inch by five stainless steel which was about equal to the six inch by five sixteenth grade five and those two were hard you know with my oh, yeah. opinion, they were hard it was a hard brace bend and, oh yeah I mean, and those unbraced in grade eight you know, six, six and a half inch grade eight by five sixteenths, and they'll bend it unbraced, which is just unreal to me. The, yeah. The brace between my legs, leg crushing. You know, <laughs> I, I got to bend one of those into a U. So it's pretty incredible to see some of the things that the guys out there can do. Oh, it's completely unreal. It's complete. Now you're you're somewhat of a collector of big certs, right? Yeah, I do like to collect. I have one coming in the mail. Um, Derek Graybill sending me his huge SAR. So yep. it's in like 2564. Yep. So, than the, the king of all bastards. Really yeah. Good. Unreal. It's, his double overhand power is unbelievable. <laughs> it just seems to melt in his hands. He's a very strong unbreaker. Very strong. Very, very strong. Um, yeah, he was episode one, so we've stayed in touch as this has gone on. And I definitely have a lot of gratitude to him that he's kind of set this off for me. And we've stayed in touch, and um, he kind of gives me some tips on my own bending and stuff like that. So he, he's, he's a good guy, and I think we're going to see some more crazy stuff out of him in the next year. Yeah, I, from where I entered in 14, uh, Derek, he seems to be the guy who's famous for – coming into FBBC as a teenager, you know, a yep. really, and just blowing, you know, bars away, just racking up certs left and right. You know, that's, you know, that, that's Derek from, from what I've heard. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, really young, so maybe that conditioning 
that he did when he was really young is paying off greatly for him now. You know, it might aid in his strength. That might have something to do with him killing big, you know, really big steel now. I don't know. Oh, I, I would think so, for sure. There's definitely something to the, um, the conditioning just uh, – I was kind of speaking with somebody about this yesterday that was just interested in what I've been up to. They don't do any bending themselves, but they were like, is it just strength? And I said, no, it's not really just strength. It's sort of like this belief that you can do it in addition to the strength, you know? Like it's, a, I feel like if you gave me a wrench a year ago and said, bend this, I wouldn't believe that I could do it. So therefore I wouldn't be able to do it, you know? I think that's the neurokinetic aspect of the whole, you know, central nervous system being at the heart of steel bending being a neurokinetic strength. It, you know, it being classified as being neurokinetic, which means that being strong at bending steel has to do with. So when you bend steel, you'll fry your central nervous system. You've noticed that, right? Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Like a snap a shoe. And for an hour you fail, but you're fried. Your central nervous system, you feel like you got the flu or something, like you're sick, but you have symptoms, you know, I mean, it's, it's brutal. Um, but when you fry your central nervous system like that, what happens is it comes back, it heals, and three or four days later, now it's much stronger. And that's what you're doing. You're strengthening your central nervous system. And when you do that, as you do that, you're, you'll be stronger and stronger at bending steel. So, I mean, more, steel bending straight is going to lie in your central nervous system, which is also going to parallel with where people think that the thought and the belief is what I think helps me bend, which I think also plays a part because it's that electrical current that's going through your body that's activating all those muscle fibers. So you increase the strength and the conditioning of your central nervous system. It's able to fire off more muscle fibers and it, which is going to help you you know, have more strength and then more steel, bigger steel. Right. So sort of like mental strength is almost like nervous system strength in a sense. Yeah. Yesterday after trying to snap that shoe, as we were talking about, I, I've competed in jujitsu, you know, a, a ton and had some grueling, grueling mat matches, many in one day. And, uh, that's what I felt like after, <laughs> after, uh, trying to snap that shoe just like in a daze my eyes were like bloodshot and I, it was just like i wasn't couldn't really think all that clearly you know it was I'll bet it is i'll bet it fries your central nervous system a lot like bending steel does i would imagine because they say anything hand grip related that you work out uh, it's that's neurokinetic strength that's you know it's the same thing so you're grappling you're your grip so much i i would imagine that it would fry your central nervous system you know very similar to steel bending i think yeah yeah so besides uh just working on stuff that's just outside your reach what other ways can you strengthen the the kinetic uh strength can you bend steel that <laughs> i mean there's no there is no replacement to that. I mean, the only way, in my opinion, to truly condition your central nervous system is bending steel. I mean, now, I mean, if you're somebody into jujitsu, that would be a good way too. I mean, if you want to be strong and conditioned for jujitsu, I'd tell somebody to go 
go roll with something and, and do jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always been big on that. People, a lot of people are always looking for, well, what can I do this to strengthen and aid in me doing that? And I'm yeah. like, that uh, if you want to be strong at doing this, then go do that. Go do whatever it is you want to be strong at. There's never a, a replacement, you know. There's nothing that's going to help you get strong at that other than doing it, doing that one thing. Yeah. How about isometric training? Have you messed with that at all? And do you believe that plays any role in developing the strength? Huge in isometrics. I mean, it's, you know, the spine of my training tactic. But uh, I'm not as, I don't think, it's not really the focal of my training. I use it supplementally. I only use uh, isometric for sticking points. For example, if I'm working on a red nail and I'm bending and I'm getting stuck at 90 degrees, then that's my sticking point. So I'll take a bar stuck at 90 degrees or I'll get a seven inch by 516 stainless steel bar and bend it to 90 degrees. It's harder than a red nail and I'll work on that until I can move it or crush it. So I'm working isometrically that specific angle because that angle is my sticking point. Right. But gaining strength in steel bending, the best way to gain strength is what I call full range of motion. That's how it was taught to me. Um, what you want is you want a piece of steel that takes 85 to 90% of everything that you have to bend. And, but you can fully bend it from beginning to end, but it, it, you know, it takes almost everything you've got to do it. And then, you know, bend lots of those. That's the best way. And then it gets easier. Our thing is finding the piece or the next bar that's just a little bit harder. So usually the progression in trying to find that next level or what that next bar, like you were saying, going from the blue nail to the red nail, that can be difficult because Iron Mine doesn't have any nails that they sell that lie between that range. So right. it can be yeah. But basically, you know, that's what you want to do in my opinion is gradually with full range of motion, bend bars that take 85, 90% of everything that you get completely through the entire bend that way you're working all the angles from beginning and and then that you work isometrically is the sticking points wherever you got stuck if you can't complete the bend then that's the you work now i have also worked isometrics where i have for unbraced bending i got three eighths by seven inches and I would bent had one straight and I had one slightly bent and another one slightly bent and another one bent and I would wrap up the first straight one and I'd push on it like I'm trying to bend it and I'd wrap up the second one that's at a little more of an angle and I'd push on that one and then wrap yeah. up I'm working all the different angles and I've done it like that but to me that's just it wasn't the it, it wasn't as well as getting a bar that I could bend completely that took 85 to 90 percent of everything bending more of those and going through the entire motion was increasing my strength more than just pushing against immovable objects at one or two specific angles because if you're isometrically pushing at one angle you're hitting a very very precise of muscle fibers so if you change one degree now you're working different muscle fibers so every single degree is different muscle fibers so that it's best to have the full range of motion than it is just to work 
one angle, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, just, it does. Yeah, it does make sense, definitely. And you said do a lot of those. Yeah, you want to do a lot of those. Bulk bending is, you know, always be the best thing. Get something that's really hard and you can completely bend it, take, and you just do lots and lots of those, and then you gradually move up the progression. The progression. That's the best way to get strong at bending steel to me. Do you mean lots in one session or lots over a period of time or both, I guess? Handle, you know, I mean, if you can bend six bars that take, 85, 90% of everything you've got, then bend six bars during that session. If you can bend a dozen of them, bend a dozen of them. You know, I mean, it's really up to you on how hard, you know, you make your workout and how fast and how far you go with it. It's how hard you push yourself. But, uh, you know, you got you to listen to your body. And, and Yeah. So how, how many days a week are you usually bending? Or does it totally depend? about two about two days a week yeah that seems like what people are kind of that seems to be the consensus is most people feel like they can do two hard days of bending and then that's really it yeah I, I like about two and a half three days after i go and do a hard session of bending i like to have about two and a half or three days of rest i mean i'm an older guy too so i mean i'm 47 so i don't feel as fast as the young 20 guys in their 20s or early 30s so I have to have a little bit more rest too. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you do anything for recovery or just, just rest? Well, I mean, my job is really aerobic. I'm a meter reader for the water department and I've been doing that for 18 years. So I walk a lot. I walk like 10 miles a day, 50 miles a week. Wow. So I recovery doing this because I've been at my job, you know, 18 years. So the whole time I've been doing old time strongman, I've been doing this job. So all my recovery is what I call active recovery. I'm yep. out there, you know, six, sometimes even seven days a week, eight, nine hours a day. And I don't really feel like I'm getting that, that rest recovery. And all my, all my recovery seems to be active recovery. So I'm having, my body's having to recover while I'm out there working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's what I mean. A lot of people recommend the active recovery. They, they say it's not necessarily good to just sleep for a day or anything, you know? It's a good thing. I mean, in the end, I think it, it helps me in the end, you know, be that much stronger. But at the same time, sometimes you just wish you could just, uh, just take it easy and lay and just do something. But I, mean, I never get a chance to do that. It's always yeah. it's working out. It's always go, go, go. So. Yeah, that's on the other side of the thing. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, you, Adam said you're one of the best horseshoe benders he's seen. Uh, I didn't know what paper clipping a horseshoe was until he showed me that you did one. So, what are some um, technical tips on uh, bending horseshoes if you could give some? Well, um, think of any tips that you you know horseshoe bending it's it, all these feats are also hands-on you really want to be with somebody or walk yeah. and stuff like that but I'm not I can't think of anything any kind of particular I mean advice with horseshoes any any certain area like kinking the shoe or because there's the kink sweep and the crush right and you know you, when you kink the shoe you'll 
open it up to anywhere from 45 to almost 90 and then when you sweep it you're crushing it over the leg and pushing down different people do that different ways some people like to get their body inside inside there and pounce on it and i think that's the best way to do it because you're going to get the most power guys seem to flatten the biggest shoes body pouncing on it and so that i would definitely recommend getting a good body pounce getting that to where you can get your body inside there and you feel your body opening and bending and smashing the shoe uh, that's going to be one of your your best techniques on opening up flattening out big shoes definitely yeah that that's definitely my sticking point with them um and i think it's just yeah like you said getting my body up over and figuring out the positioning on my thigh where it's not excruciating and i can still put push and uh it's really hard to do the body pound that took me months two three months of working with before i finally got it to where i could comfortably get my body in there, push down and get movement on the shoe it it wasn't it didn't come easy for some reason that technique i really stumbled with that one yeah. that one and bending the technique for double overhand i don't know how many hours i sat there in front of the tv with a bar wrapped up trying to finagle and feel and find that comfortable position. How in the world do people bend steel like this? You know, I mean, it's <laughs> awkward position. So yeah, it is. That one's, uh, tricky. Yeah. Now, which side do you open the shoe on, and is it on your dominant side? Because I'm interested in this. Uh, well, Chris told me I would bend. He asked me if I'm left-handed. I told him no. He said, "Well, you're bending shoes left-handed. You might want to switch sides." But uh, I tried that. And I never did get, it never took, so I went back. I stayed, I'm a left-handed bender, but I'm dominant, I'm right-handed. Okay, so. so I'm pushing down with my right. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're gripping with your left hand across your waist and pushing with your right. Interesting. Because when I spoke to uh, Wigren, he said that he did it that way as well but he, he's also right-handed he felt strongest pushing down with his right hand I found it common with a lot of right-handed people who i was who i would show the technique to and i would ask them what side feels more comfortable and the majority of the time like people are more comfortable left-handed side for if they're a right-handed bender so i don't know you know i mean they say that right-handed is pulling Left, but I, I don't know it might not be it there might not be a real left-handed right-handed way with horseshoes you know yeah yeah i i think you might be right um i watched chris Ryder's video to try my first one and to to wrap it and everything like that and i i went right hand across the waist bracing it like that push with my left but then when i snapped the ultralight a couple of weeks ago I switched to the, the style that you're talking about with pressing with my right hand. I felt like I was getting bigger opens like that, but that was only once the, the shoe was moving and sort of like pliable. It seems like I'm strongest to get it moving on my uh, pressing with my left and uh, bracing with my right. But then once it's moving, I can switch to the other side and push with my right. I don't know. It seems weird. <laughs> Well, then you got some people like Stan Tomiko, and he's super strong on both sides because he yep. works them equally, I think, as he, as he 
Vince's shoes. I mean, you'll you watch him and he'll bend monsters on both sides. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I like I like the shoes a lot. I think it's an interesting muscle groups that you're using and it's very I feel like I'm using my core a lot and um, I also like that there's little varieties between the way people open them I've seen people tuck them almost behind their knee and uh, press down like that and then on the hip or there's just these minor variations where I don't really see that many variations with the double overhand that seems to be kind of just where they grip, whether they're doing pistol or, or uh, other grip. I like the variety in horseshoes. It seems like people have their, their own flavor a little more. It's just interesting. Definitely my favorite feat, but it does, it does seem like to be one that not the majority seems to be into. Uh, seems to be uh, less, less people are into the horseshoes for some reason. I mean, there are horseshoe benders out there, but it doesn't seem like somebody who gets really big into bending shoes doesn't come along real often. I, I wish there were more shoe benders, but it just doesn't seem like there's that many people who really enjoy bending shoes that much. Yeah. Uh, do you think, is there any certs involved with shoes? Is that maybe a reason people are? You really can't cert a shoe. I mean, I can buy, you could buy a box of ultralights from St. Croix and then next month or the next day buy another box and when you there the difficulty level for the shoes in either box isn't going to be the same they're they vary from batch to batch so there's no consistency to it so how are you gonna have a cert or a you know that's always been something even with iron mine like a red nail red nail is going to vary from anywhere from 400 pounds to like 500 pounds there's a hundred yep. variation in there i mean i've hit red nails that i crushed in 30 seconds with single suede and then grab another red nail that I had from a different batch and they're so hard, they take me 15 minutes to bend in single suede. So they're all over the place. The variation is. I had the exact same experience. So I got the iron on bag of nails. I got three red nails in there. One of those three red nails in leathers, I was able to do completely easy, not easily, but I was able to complete it. Not, not in under a minute, but I was able to complete it. Those other two, I mean, those things were hard. I mean, so hard. And then I got some fat bastard stock and I, I was able to do a bastard, you know, and a number of bastards. And um, those all seemed like relatively easy. And I thought the red nail was much harder. So whatever the two out of those three red nails I got, those were something crazy. <laughs> it can vary. And then, I mean, generally speaking, people will tell you that the FBBC bastard, uh oh did i lose you oh there we go sorry most people usually say that the uh, bastard generally is harder than the red that's i've heard the, that that i've heard from people so that's the, the but that's just on average you know uh most of the time i guess you would say but you, there's always going to be the exceptions to the rules you can have a bastard that'll melt and then a red so super hard and then you can have a bastard that's really super hard and this red would just melt i mean so yeah, the variation, I think, for both can vary about 100 pounds, anywhere from 400 to about 500 pounds for either of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and I think maybe just, like, the reason why we're seeing maybe less horseshoe benders is just you don't have that goal of, like, being on a cert list. And I think that just knowing the way people are within uh, jujitsu and martial arts and how people are defined by these goals of belts and stuff like that. 
I think people are really goal driven to where it's something you could do with it. That probably does because there there aren't any you know real certs out there. Maybe if somebody did calibrate shoes and stamped a number on them and sold calibrated shoes and made a sort of a cert. Oh yeah. Others would come around and. And, and start chasing some of those certs and buying shoes from that person. I've thought about doing something like that, but it, it would be a heck of a task to take on. I mean, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, someone does do that. That's a good idea, and I, I think that would attract a lot more people to horseshoe bending for sure. Of a, a few different ways that you could you can calibrate you could calibrate some shoes. I know yeah. that you could come up with some numbers at pretty accurate ways of calibrating them. I might do that That would be cool. I'd like to see that for sure. Um, what was I just going to say? Uh, yeah, my point though, I mean, with shoes, it is more of a personal journey. It's not, yeah, the, the, with the certs, it's all public and everybody can see it. But yeah, with shoes, it's just like Adam Glass once told me, oh, okay, you're going to be a shoe bender. That's great. And you're going to, when, when you get good and you're good at bending shoes, press that many people. Yeah. <laughs> people are into it. You know, I mean, he's basically saying there's not a lot of shoe benders out there. You can get real strong at bending shoes, but you're not going to impress a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, even with the nails, I mean, uh, that, that it's a lot of fun. And, but um, when it comes down to impressing people, no one cares if you bent a, a shiny bastard, it looks the exact same as a 60 penny. They don't care, you know? So they, they're the wrenches and that kind of stuff is a lot more fun to see people's reaction because they, they understand how hard that is and why it shouldn't bend, you know? Bastards are like, what's that? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the wrenches and they're blown away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had the, the same ex uh, a funny experience like that i you know i saw dennis rogers roll up a frying pan so i said okay i want to try this so i you know bought a ten dollar frying pan from dollar general or something like that and rolled it up on and put it on my facebook and people exploded and they couldn't believe this thing and the week before i had done a six inch crescent wrench and that thing was 10 times harder than this pan and uh you know people thought that one was more impressive it wasn't even that hard <laughs> Yeah, that I've made that. I talked to Scott, my friend Scott, about that one. We were that people were just so blown away with the whole frying pan roll up, and it's how it was just one of the easier feats. It's crazy how people get all twisted over the easier, the easier feats. So yeah, it's funny, and uh, say it, and also to the to the general public, it. A wrench is a wrench. So if you did a six inch, when the time comes, maybe you work up to a 12 inch, that's going to be the same in their mind, you know? Yeah, the, a wrench is a wrench. That's right. The public, they <laughs> like, do the same thing. Either bicycles or Mavericks. I mean, either way, one's a lot easier to tear than the other, but to them, it's just a deck of cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Robert. Well, we've reached uh, towards the end of the show. So I usually do what's called the medley, which is, is just a rapid uh, fire series of questions. So you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Favorite thing to bend? Horses. All right. Hardest thing to bend for you? Stainless steel. 
All right. Strongest bending style for you? Double overhand. Weakest style? Reverse grip. Something outside of training, bending, and strength sports that you enjoy? I like to collect uh, semi-precious minerals in quartz. I'm a rock hound. Oh, cool. That's cool. What's the one bend that got away? Well, certifying red nail still. <laughs> All right. Who's the strongest person that you know? Adam Glass. Nice. What's the best piece of advice you were given? Could be about bending or strength or just life in general. It's a tough one. <laughs> that one stops people for some reason. <laughs> I'm stumped. I can't think of anything. All right. What's the funniest reaction a person has had when they find out you spend your time bending nails? Uh, I've seen some pretty shocked people look at me and be pretty blown away and look at me because I'm the last person that you right. look at Ben Steele. <laughs> All right. In closing, who's someone you'd like to see me have on the show? Uh, Chris Ryder. I'd like to see you have Chris on the show. Awesome. Yeah, I'm working on that. How about tips and advice for uh, beginning benders? Bend lots of steel. Bend a lot. Nice. And where can people find you on uh, social media? Facebook or Instagram. All right. Is there any events, brands, or gear you want to shout out? Nope, nothing particularly. All right. Awesome, Robert. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Be well. Thank mm -hmm. you.